Friends, let's pray this prayer together. This is how we are opening this time of teaching within this series. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open the ears of our hearts, Lord. We want to see you. We want to hear you. Reveal to us the coming of your kingdom. Amen. Parables of Jesus. Y'all, we got to start this series together last week, and we started with this question, what even is a parable? And so with that question, we took the time to lose the microphone. Hang on. Hang on with me. There it is. Maybe. There it is. All right. And we're back. Okay. Crisis averted. Yeah. But those definitions, right? So uh, we took a look at good old Merriam-Webster and the Oxford Dictionary to see what they had to say about parables. And honestly, as we dug in, we found them somewhat lacking, right? That they, they tell us that um, they're short, fictitious stories that illustrate a moral attitude or religious principle or spiritual principle. And so while we agree that they typically are short and fictitious stories, there are layers upon layers that make them so much more and so much deeper than just a moral or spiritual or religious lesson or teaching. These definitions fall short. And so the parables for us are stories or illustrations simply of what Jesus is doing that Jesus is telling us these stories about what he is doing, and he is ushering in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here. It has arrived, and this is what it is like. And so he's telling these stories to those who have ears to hear. And certainly Jesus wants everyone to have ears to hear. But at the same time, he knows that not everyone does. That not everyone's heart is ready to hear about the arrival of the kingdom. And so <clears throat> he's telling the stories that those who do have ears to hear would recognize that the kingdom of God is different. It is different than what they expected. It's different from the kingdoms of this world. And so that the way of this kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus has announced, is not one of military strength, not one of military might, but one of seeds planted in the ground. Seeds planted so that a crop would be produced that exceeds every expectation that we could possibly even have that would be greater than more than we could even ask or imagine. He's telling stories so that those who have checked the soil of their hearts, we took that time to do that last week and over this week, to check the soil of our hearts, that they would be prepared to receive the seeds of the kingdom. And so as Jesus is announcing the arrival of the kingdom, that it is so different than what people expected. In fact, we might refer to it as upside down, right? Flipping the whole thing 
on its head. And so as Jesus is making this proclamation of the kingdom, and it's so radical and it's so dangerous that he had to use stories to tell about it. I imagine, just for a moment, like putting myself in that place, and what if Jesus had just told it straight? Like, this is what I'm here to do. We're going to be done in three years. Like, let's go do this thing. Had his whole plan laid out. You know, I don't think he would have made it like three weeks, maybe three days, instead of the three years of ministry that he gets, right, as he subversively and subtly introduces the kingdom into a time and place that he announces it is here. Certainly, Jesus knew what he was doing as he is telling the parables, using parables and stories, common everyday imagery to announce the start of a movement that would change the world. Today, we're going to see just how small and how subversively that start might be and what happens when the smallest of movements gets put in the ground to grow. So our parable today, you know, it is going to come from Matthew chapter 13 and verses 31 and 32. Last week we did 23 verses, this week two. I mean, the parables are short and um, they are profound. And so I want to invite you to read along on the screen or on your phone, um, however you want to do this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. You know, this parable also appears in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 13 with very slight variations in how that story is told. But the way that it is, is told repetitively in the synoptic gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of tracking very similarly. It actually gives us an indication that this is likely one of the parables that Jesus told over and over again. That it wouldn't have just been a one-hit wonder that he delivered to the crowd, right? It's one that he told over and over again. And because Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have different audiences, right? That Matthew and, um, well, Matthew is, is speaking primarily to a Jewish audience, Mark a little bit more to Gentiles, and Luke more explicitly to Gentiles. They captured really what was relevant to their audience in the telling of this story and the variations in it. So mustard, mustard is what we're working with today, people. <laughs> Are you with me? Any mustard fans in the house? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, I knew, oh gosh, so, so at home, so at home with you. I love it. Oh my gosh. You know, hot mustard is one of the many nicknames Matt Leroy has given me over these past 20 years. Uh, I think I got that one at the same time as he gave me Carolina Fireball. Those are both stories for another day. But um, I told Riley this week that the sermon was about mustard, and I literally and immediately got, ew. Oh, great. Okay, good way to build up dad as we're going into Sunday morning. 
Um, so maybe, right, there are lots of different types of mustard. Maybe um, you're a French's just straight yellow mustard. Maybe, maybe you like a little of the honey Dijon mustard. Um, there are lots of, lots of options. I'm one of those weirdos who, like many of you, it sounds like, prefers mustard to ketchup, actually. Like, I would, I would totally go with mustard, given the choice. If you add hot sauce into the mix, I go with hot sauce. Also, yes, yeah, thank you, dang, all right. The youth corner back there is giving me some thumbs down right now. Uh, we all, on Friday night, I opened a fresh jar of whole grain mustard, okay? This is legit, like whole grain mustard. So I take the lid off, set it there, put a little on my veggie burger that I had made. And um, Avery picks it up and smells it, immediately picks up the lid and puts it on. I said, Avery, it doesn't stink. She's like, Dad, it doesn't not stink. Like, nothing like the double negative from a 10-year-old to soften the reality of what's going on right here for you. <laughs> 11, sorry. I don't even know my own daughter's age. No. No, the, the smell of mustard is apparently more of an issue at my house. But one of the issues with this parable that often comes up is that this parable is Jesus saying the mustard seed, right, it's the size of the seed that sometimes gets called into question. In the passage, it says that it's the smallest of seeds. Jesus says this, but is it the smallest of seeds? Anybody? Do we have any botanists hanging out with us? Yeah, there, there are many other smallest. I think the smallest, as I understand it from my research, is the orchid seed, which is more like dust, like more like sand. But all that to say, right, it then is said to grow and be the largest of plants in the garden. So anyone ever seen a mustard tree? No, I'm seeing no hands right now. Yeah, right? Try finding one. Try finding a picture of one. It's, it doesn't really exist unless you dig a little deeper. So let's take a look at what we're working with here. First, like the standard mustard seed, y'all. So that is one grain, one mustard seed in the palm of a hand. It's pretty small, but it's not like you need a magnifying glass to see it, right? So it is a smaller seed. And given all of them together, there's, there's a, a, a bunch of them all together that you can get a, get a look at, I think, maybe. <laughs> There it is. So maybe a handful of them. What might it have looked like to have a whole bunch of mustard seeds? This is like your traditional yellow or black or brown mustard that um, we consume. This is that mustard seed and how those delicious um, accompaniments to the hot dog, how they are <laughs> um, made from these seeds. And y'all, then this is how they grow. So they come in fields of beautiful, beautiful yellow flowers with seed pods on the side of them. And you can actually take the seed pods off and eat them. So common in Israel, this would not have been out of place by any means, that the yellow mustard fields 
would, would have been apparent and something very relevant to them. So then the matter of it growing into a tree, that, that grows to like maybe six feet tall, grows in shrub kind of ways, and is thick. Like it's, it will grow as far as the bounds will let it. Um, so it is, it is something that um, can get big, but probably not something you think of as the largest tree around. So let's, let's flip to what is sometimes referred to as the mustard tree, um, which comes from, um, there it is, sweet. So it is a much taller tree, probably growing to like 12 to 15 feet tall. You know, trees in Israel are not really known for that. Like the cedars of Lebanon, right? It's not the cedars of Israel. It's, they just don't have a whole lot of like magnificent trees hanging out. They're known for their olives, of course, but their olive trees don't get super big. And so to think of this, what might be referred to as the mustard tree, still has beautiful yellow flowers. It's actually now known commonly as the tree tobacco. Tree tobacco was often referred to as a mustard tree in history. And so then the seed, I think we have a picture of the seed. You know, so those are the pods that break open. And then there are these minuscule little seeds that like that little pocket right in the center of the hand, like there's probably about 30 seeds right there. It's much, much smaller. If the standard yellow mustard seed is 1 20th of an inch, that is 1 50th of an inch. So it put next to a ruler, like you get a lot of them, even between the millimeter marks. It's, it is very, very small. But this tree grows commonly and much, much larger than we would expect as the yellow mustard that we saw before. But as Israel is not really known for their trees, um, it's actually, as a country, it is one of the very few countries in the world that has more trees today than it did even a hundred years ago. That there, there is more, more growth happening and less forestation, deforestation happening. So it doesn't take much, though, in Israel to be an impressive tree that would stand out, right, as, as folks are coming along to it. But regardless, right, of, of kind of which, which of those we might be talking about here, I think Jesus is actually tapping into a figure of speech. It's a common phrase and super well-known imagery to see the mustard around. And so how often, as we think of common idioms, even in our own English language, right, that would be harder to interpret, right, if somebody didn't have that that context. Something like water under the bridge, right? Like that's, it means something to us, but does it really have much to do with water and a bridge? Um, under the weather, right? Some of us are using that language these days. Break a leg. <laughs> Please no one break a leg, okay? It's slick as you go out the front doors because it's wet. Take your time. Don't actually break a leg. No, maybe cut the mustard. I don't know. Like, that's a figure of speech. <laughs> cut the cheese. <clears throat> this, all right, we had to go there. So, 
mustard, <laughs> mustard was and is common in their region, right? And so mustard as a well-known seed and certainly one of the smaller seeds that would have been so familiar and present in their context. It really becomes proverbi- proverbially known as the smallest seed. And so Jesus, in using this imagery and using this language, we often associate it, right, with even our own faith, right? The size of the mustard seed, if we just have that much faith, right? In all of this, Jesus is, is using that common, familiar language to them, the proverbial smallest of seeds that would have been familiar in their time. So while we're at it and talking about irregularities in this particular um, parable, you know, this, the small seed is not at all likely to have been sown one at a time, right? And so the, the um, parable tells us, right, that a seed is planted, but going, someone going out of their way to plant one of these tiny seeds seems super unlikely and very uncommon. Both types of plants are known to spread as wildfire, whether we're talking about the yellow mustard plant or we're talking about the tobacco tree, mustard tree. Both of them spread very quickly, and when they are out of their natural environment, they are looked at as an invasive species of plant because they grow so quickly. I've heard stories of even people visiting Israel, getting to tour and walk the steps of Jesus, and they're so excited to bring back mustard seeds as their trip memento, only to be met by customs (laughs) when they arrive to say, ain't no way you're bringing that in here, because it's invasive. It will spread, and we can't stop it. So sowing seeds, right? A farmer is more likely to just scatter them, right? To be just taking handfuls at a time. And the thought that a farmer would take a seed and plant it, this is very different. And it is significant. But remember, the kingdom that Jesus is announcing is different. And we've got to get used to different The focus is in, of this parable is often on the seed, often on the size of the seed, how small it is and how something so big can come from a small package, right? And with the small, humble beginnings, it would literally change the world. And that is certainly what the kingdom is like, that the same expression is captured is captured in the parable immediately following this, right? The parable of the yeast follows right after the parable of the mustard seed. And this small amount of yeast that is hidden in the dough then causes it to grow in such a way that it could feed a multitude, right? So it is certainly capturing what the kingdom is like to have this small, subtle seed grow into something massive, Sometimes the attention of the parable can also be put on the quick and the unexpected growth of such a thing. Whether we're talking about the mustard plant or the mustard tree, it is, it is worth noting 
that the spread and the growth of these plants, right, they would stand out in the mind of those who are hearing this parable. That it reaches far and fast. Both the size of the seed and the capacity for growth are powerful and certainly, certainly help tell the story of the kingdom coming. But today, as, as we land here, I want to focus on the outcome of this seed. And the tree that is large enough, the tree that is large enough for the birds of the air to land in its branches, to perch, right, to build nests and to find a home. That this is what the kingdom of God is like. See, the seed is already planted. The seed is in the ground, and I'll be darned if that tree is not growing already. And the branches are reaching further up and further out into the sky. Yo, know, this tree is growing, and the birds of the air are finding its way into the branches of this tree. Yo, know, birds of the air is actually another figure of speech. It is another one that is, is not used explicitly in Scripture, but in other Jewish writings of the time. The phrase is used to refer to non-Jewish people, a.k.a. Gentiles, a.k.a. most of us, right? Like, birds of the air could be an idiom that Jesus is tapping into that is specifically highlighting Gentiles entering the kingdom of God. At the very least, the birds are the people, right? Jesus is the seed, and Jesus is the tree. The kingdom is the tree growing out of the ground. But the birds are the people finding shelter in this large tree. And not just finding shelter, but finding refuge and provision in the ever-expanding growth and the love of the kingdom. The thing that I love is the image of birds. Birds tell their friends, like, where it's at, <laughs> right? They tell their friends, have you ever been um, with one lone seagull on the beach? And you're like, one cracker won't hurt. That's right. Oh, that seagull, he's so happy. And then just a couple little squawks. If you're into Finding Nemo, mine, mine, mine. <clears throat> and suddenly, there is another one, and another one, and another one. And it's not just seagulls. Y'all pigeons do this, right? Pigeons do this. Crows do this. I mean, vultures even do this, right? Like, the birds of the air are telling their friends where they are able to find provision, where they're able to find security and shelter. And so that image of the birds, why might birds need refuge? Why might they need the provision, right? The shade from that hot sun, the dry land of Israel, right? To get out of the sun, the shelter, even in stormy weather, the birds have a safe place to go. 
that is protection from predators. It's provision, right? There are bugs that live in trees too. I mean, kind of a food source right there. They live in and around the tree. So the birds find them there. And then the safety and security for having a nest and raising their young. For those who have ears to hear, now there are echoes of the prophet Daniel and Ezekiel in this imagery as well. Now in Daniel 4.21, he talks of a tree. He talks of a tree whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, which provided food for all, under which the animals of the field lived, and in whose branches the birds of the air had nests. And then in Ezekiel chapter 17, thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I'll set it out and break off a tender shoot. One of its young, the twigs, I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will accomplish it. So y'all, if we are the birds, why might we need refuge? Why might we look to the Lord for our provision? Do I really even need to ask that question? Right, to think about those things in our own lives and even in our own church family. Right, to think of all that we are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. A family member with the cancer diagnosis, the weight of broken relationships, the weight of loss, loss of a job, loss of family members, the need for housing and shelter for the most vulnerable among us. And then to broaden that a little bit, y'all take one peek at the headlines, even today. We can see we need refuge from the kingdoms of this world. Locally, nationally, globally, we're in the midst of oppression, schemes of fraud, devastating loss of life, devastating loss of life due to gun violence, We need refuge. And to say we need refuge, you know, my heart just drops that 
in the last in the last two weeks, there have been multiple homicides in Chapel Hill. And there are people in those neighborhoods, right, that wake up and their neighbor's not there. There are people who know the people who committed the crime. The people who committed the crime, right, there is need for refuge in what unfolds among us. And then for Monterey Park, California, even this morning. So I just want to open up space for a minute that we're just going to have some silence. That we're going to pray. We're going to cry out when we even don't even know what to say. That we give space to ask that God be the refuge in those communities, in the neighborhoods here in Chapel Hill and across the country, even this week, in the numerous places where gun violence has taken innocent life. Let's just take this time in silence. Just pray. Let your heart cry out. And then we'll pray together. our hearts and our flesh cry out to you. When the kingdoms of this world try to put themselves in your place, to control the world, not by love and compassion, but God of oppression and fear. God, our hearts break with those who have lost loved ones senselessly again here in our community and even as people are waking up to the news this morning of the shooting in Monterey Park, California. Got to open the eyes of our hearts to see your kingdom unfold to push back the kingdoms of the world in our community. And God, for your kingdom coming in Monterey Park, God, as your church is there, 
are waking up and learning how to show your heart in the midst of such devastation and tragedy. Open the ears of our heart, God, to just hear you and hear your cries. This this is not your way. This is the way of evil among us. And so help us, God. Be ready to receive the seeds. God, that send us growing into those hurt places. God, to love on those who are most vulnerable and those who are hurting. Give us the courage and the strength, God, to step forth with your heart. Amen. The seed has been put in the ground and the tree is growing. The branches reach to the air. People find themselves in those places of refuge as Jesus has put into motion a new Eden. For those who have ears to hear, it's the kingdom of heaven that is here and unfolding God's plan to restore a good and perfect relationship between the creation and its creator. When we take a step back into Genesis 2 and 3, we see that God set forth in the center of that good and perfect garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Jesus is telling this parable, y'all, seeing forward that himself He himself would be the small seed planted in the ground. That a vast and ever-expanding tree would grow, the biggest in all the garden, that the birds of the air might find our way back to the tree of life. the tree of life, it's somehow possible that in that creation story, Adam and Eve didn't eat from the tree of life. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then they aspired to be gods of their own making. That they didn't need God. And so the tree of life was no longer in reach. But Jesus, my favorite two words, but Jesus. Jesus opens the door for us back to the garden where we 
had the invitation to eat from the tree of life. You know, and so as we see the garden imagery unfold in this parable that this tiny seed would grow to be the greatest tree, I think about our own church. And really how every church, every ministry, the work of Jesus should look like an outpost of that garden. And it should be like a tree whose branches are ever growing, that they would provide refuge from the storms of life, from the scorching, scorching sun. That it would be a place of provision and safety and security. And you all, Love Chapel Hill is an expression of the kingdom. And you know, if you've been around here for a little while, we often say we are just one small expression of the kingdom in this place, in our mission to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. You know, and people are finding branches here at Love Chapel Hill. And when I think about those branches of Love Chapel Hill and this tree of life that is growing up and outward, I think about our Wednesday morning prayer meeting. It is a beautiful branch where people are lifted up together, where sometimes just two or three, sometimes six or eight, right, gather together. Your names are on their lips in prayer. Praying for the things that are impacting our community and our world. You're invited into that branch. If that's something you'd like to be a part of, it happens on Zoom every Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. Wednesday. Sorry, y'all. What day is it? (laughs) Wednesday is the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock. It's on the Sunday page (laughs) of lovechapelhill.com. Tuesday, Old Man Coffee, another branch. Another branch where you can find yourself, where you neither have to be old or a man to come. Come hang out with us. Find your place in that branch. Maybe it's a discipleship band. You know, there are people who are doing discipleship together in small bands of three to five. And right after the service today, there's going to be an interest meeting in the other theater, in the small theater. Maybe that's a branch for you to find where you can, you can perch, you can put your nest. There's a connect card in your seat. This is one of those first steps even to like testing the branch. You're like, can this hold me? <laughs> you can fill out that connect card. Just let us know that you're here. Get on our email list. If you want to serve, yo, there's a branch for you in this tree. And we invite you into it. There's nothing, yeah, more beautiful than serving together. Serving the kingdom coming. And we saw it at the Chosen on Tuesday night. Some of y'all are in that branch, right? Like Tuesday nights is seven o'clock. We got seven more weeks. You can come hang out with us. But y'all, I want to encourage you to find your branch.
And I want to encourage you to be like the birds, like the seagulls. Tell your friends when you've found a place of refuge, when you've found a place of provision, we can't help but let other people know about it. Invite them in. Come on in. Out of the wind, out of the storms of the world and the kingdoms of this world. And so Jesus invites us to eat from the tree of life. His body was broken. Just like the seed that has to go into the ground and die to be broken open that the sprouts might reach into the soil that a tree can grow. And his invitation to us into the tree of life is to taste the fullness of life, the abundance of life. And so friends, the bread and the cup are your invitation into the tree of life today. So I invite you to take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. Friends, taste and see that the Lord is good and he has invited you into this garden, into this great and mighty tree to taste the sweetness here and now, the kingdom coming, but also for all eternity. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you would give yourself the sacrifice God, that we might experience the shelter and the refuge of this tree of life. And God, we know that you will meet us here today at the table as we take the bread and the cup at your body and blood broken and poured out for us for the fullness of life that each and every one, all of the birds of the air would be invited into its branches. Meet us here, Lord. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.